Okay, ready? <laughs> One, two, when do we clap? Yes. <laughs> on three. One, I've been, two, I've been doing it on three. three. Let's do it on three. You didn't do it. <laughs> I snapped. <laughs> Welcome to the Queer Mocast, everybody. It's wonderful to have you here today. I might leave all of that in. Uh, I'm KJ, and over here, this Raven Beauty is... Uh, I don't like the way you said that. I don't think Ra- you mean it. I did mean it. She's a I'm gorgeous Shem gal. Shem, just raving beauty, raving mad. I meant more like... Never mind. Uh, <laughs> I meant more like she's still adjusting. <laughs> I just keep telling you, you're so much more fun on Latuda. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Medication update. When we did our um, episode about depression, I was a little bleak. And after we recorded that, we had a friend be like, "Sometimes treatment is like amazing." <laughs> and afterwards, and so if anyone listened to that and felt that way. My my point was not to be like, never go to treatment. I definitely think I'm pro-medication. I'm pro-going to the doctor mm-hmm. for treatment. It's just, I was, I was highlighting all of the negatives, especially since at the time I was experiencing all of the negatives. Um, but I went to my doctor and he said, how are you feeling? And I said, worse. <laughs> and he said... Oh, that's not good. So we switched (laughs) medications, and I gotta tell ya, night and day, holy shit. Like, that medication I was on must work for some people. To me, it was poison. I felt awful. Well, and... Jay was actually telling me that uh, he got put on that for a while, the one you were on, and that because it is the way that it is, it can really create, it can exacerbate issues that it's supposed to help. Because that is, again, one of the issues with medication for mental health is that it's not an exact science and we don't have, it's it's trial and error. <laughs> it is because uh, like sertraline, which is Zoloft, sertraline is going to help some people and not help others. And It really is kind of like shooting darts. There's really no good way of um, being like, oh, you're this type of person, so we're going to try this. Um, (laughs) And then also, since I'm a nurse, my doctor does a really good job of, like, including me. He's like, which one? He basically said, which SSRI do you want to try next? Hey, and and here's the thing. I make that joke because that's one of my favorite my favorite dumpster queen episodes of of Michael I know, Henry's I channel. Is, you're so much more fun on Latuda. You should go back on Latuda. <laughs> <laughs> and there was there was sort of this like there was this shift to the tone of your messages on Discord. Your uh, oh, your when your, I was on effects there. I hated everybody. I hated it was life. it was so hard because I looked at the sun and said, "Why must you shine?" 
casting shadows on everything. <laughs> I wish it was dark all the time. <laughs> and and then there was there was this there was this shift, and I think I definitely I, I remember like saying out loud to myself, I was like, oh, she's back, um, because yeah. there's certain medications will help you, and I think the point we were trying to make in that episode is that sometimes. We do, and and we didn't both sides it on on that on that situation. We didn't make the implicit explicit that we think that mental health is very important and it's important to do what you have to do, and that if you are able to, and that you know. T- but we were trying to highlight the major issues because I think in the United States we have this natural tendency to be like because because we were raised this way like. Well, you could be living in a third world country. You could be living someplace way worse. And I'm so, recently, I've just been like, you know what? You're right. We could point out all of the good things, but the the bad outweighs the good at this point in time. And we were sort of in that place with it, which right. again can come across as very bleak and like, don't even bother trying, which I don't think we were saying, but I can see how the tone might have come across that way. So I'm glad yeah. we addressed it. But there's because... a reason I kept going to the doctor because I knew yeah, I needed exactly. treatment, you know, um, and... And I I just think sometimes, too, with mental health, like, I noticed this because I recently rewatched a little bit of 13 Reasons Why. Oh, goodness. (laughs) That they ended the episodes with the suicide hotline number. And I think some... I think we always love to give resources, absolutely. And that that suicide hotline... We do it here on this show. (laughs) That suicide hotline saves lives. It's crisis intervention, absolutely. But at the same time, I also think uh, sometimes people who've never experienced that have a feeling like, oh, just call the suicide hotline, get back on track. Like, no, that's the beginning of a very long process. Oh, absolutely. And also, this is, again, I we, we listen to a lot of maintenance phase, and they're really good at, like, pinpointing the ways in which, like, larger entities will do things, not because it's with good intention, but it's a CYA move. It's a cover-your-ass move. Yeah. They're doing this show that's kind of glamorizing and making suicide seem cool and hip in a lot of ways, and it, it got so it got a in right now. It, it, it got a lot of <laughs> flack. It did. It, it got a lot of flack. To be, like, moody, broody, depressed as a teenager is one of those things where, yeah, throughout the, like, Heathers did it. A lot of movies made... We're, we're trying to, and a lot of television shows have tried to bring suicide to the forefront. The trouble is, is that now we have these glossy, high-definition cameras that make everything seem really cool and fun and interesting. And the show didn't do a very good job in a lot of ways through its writing to really bring forth Well, and there's it... always been a f- fear of talking about suicide means people will commit suicide. Absolutely. And that's so not true. Talking no. about suicide... When you're when you work in mental health, you're trained to point blank ask people, "Are you thinking of killing yourself? Do you have mm-hmm. a specific plan?" Things like that. Um, but I also agree that TV is dramatization, and so like this girl kills herself and leaves these tapes, and it's it's very salacious. It's very yeah. you know what I mean. It's it's who done it e. And don't get me wrong, it's it's compelling television, but it's also putting the suicide hotline number at the end of the episode is kind of like. Not it's like below the floor of bare minimum in terms of of there should have been like a whole like at the end of every episode a like ten minute counseling session with an actual therapist at the end oh, of it like and also um not that this is a thirteen reasons why podcast but no <laughs> recap uh, and honestly I I stopped 
season two, I realized that this is a very high school show, and I'm a I'm a queer, uh, non-binary person in their thirties. Um, <laughs> because during season two, I started to root for suicide, so I was like, okay, <laughs> I have to stop. But no, one thing I felt too is I felt really bad for the friends. Yes, because yeah, they all fucked up, they all made mistakes, but it's hard to be young. Like it's it's so difficult to to, to navigate that time. A like that that message I didn't like was like this th- thought process of you could co- I mean the rapist sure did but <laughs> no <laughs> but like the best if you friend... haven't seen this show you're getting a whole highlight reel of the most <laughs> wild shit I'm telling you um anyway and yeah, so you no it's yeah I liked season one I couldn't stand season two just because it's very high there's this trial and I liked the trial because I I love me a courtroom procedural. <laughs> but um, but then they kept the in between the trial. It was like I don't think Stacy likes me anymore. Like it was very high school, and I was like, oh, this is not this isn't made for me. No, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I've just I've I've moved a little beyond that in my life in my day to day life. I guess um, Stacy's a bitch. <laughs> well, we all knew that. Um, okay. <laughs> well, Katie, how are we starting our episode? <laughs> well, I was going to, I was, I was gonna get to our card, our tarot card of the day. Stop it. Um, Where our does tarot, the word tarot card. come from? <laughs> What's the etymology of tarot? Okay, I'm done. <laughs> that would actually be a really fun episode. Not today, though. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't have. I, I'm not prepared. She doesn't um, have the spoons. She does. <laughs> She's out of <laughs> um, Today's card is the Queen of Cups. I really, Ooh. really love this card. It's, well, I'll let you describe our card again today. Well, it looks like, I can't really see the person very well. Are there birds or fairies or? Yes. So there are, there's birds. There's also it's sort of, it, it's a conglomeration of flowers and, like, really fun fabrics. And the person is completely covered by fabrics and items and animals. There's yeah. also, and I believe, a, a stuffed sea monster animal. Yep, a sea monster. Cu- cute little teacups. Absolutely. What do um, cups signify? So cups are, are signifying, uh, we, uh, usually it's, like, the, the watery emotional under uh, undercurrent of a lot of things in our oh, lives. I love um, cups yep we are uh we're, <laughs> we're cups people um we used to sit in a dark room with evanescence playing at full blast and cry on our beds we are, used to <laughs> we mean last night i was gonna say but i did that in my car a couple days ago <laughs> uh, it's um so anyway uh but the queen of cups uh is usually that uh, it's it's usually uh uh How's, how's the way I want to word this? I'm trying to put this in my own words today. I'm trying to get better at not utilizing resources when I read tarot cards, but putting putting my own spin on the ways that I feel about, um, about the cards and how they make me feel. But the Queen of Cups, I always see it as um, I've, I've finally figured some things out emotionally. When I, when I think of the Queens in a lot of the, a lot of the, the the suits i always think of the the person who's got it got it on lock who's got it in control and since the cups are so much to deal with our emotional undercurrents a lot of a lot of the queen of cups is about healing emotional traumas things from our past 
bringing them out, but also dealing with them and finding ways to use it or leave it, kind of, leaving it behind. And I, uh, oh, and, uh, the, the, and, and also understanding how our emotions control us and how we can actually use our emotions or how we kind of, how, how we use them in our interactions with other people, right? Am I having a trauma response right now? Is that why I am attacking this other person or maybe being a little bit more intense about this than I would be if I were able to get this under control a little bit, right? The way that trauma responses are real and they're valid, but can also spiral out of control and we can use them as a crutch to not heal, I think. Um, and again, I say we in the royal we, uh, because I'm often pointing the finger directly at myself. Um, but Cassandra Snow has to say on, on the topic from their book, Queering the Tarot, uh, link down below. Uh, <laughs> because this card is so much about being, here we go, is so much about being in control of your emotions and wielding them powerfully, I usually see this card as the head of the cup suit, not the king, which is often how I tend to read them too. I'm like, eh, the king, the queen, yeah. though. Uh, but... If cups by nature are emotional and sensitive, I have trouble believing that the card representing the peak of those traits has enough self-control in the face of their emotions to lead a kingdom, meaning the king. Um, that makes our calm, collected, deeply intuitive queen our leader, and that is the le leadership we can all agree we need. So taking from that, think about ways in your life where you have been that kind of emotional mentor for someone else especially those of us that are getting a little older, learning a little bit more about ourselves. And maybe if you've never had that moment, think about the people in your life who have been that for you. What traits in those individuals would you want to emulate in your life? And thoughts on that? Well, one thing I immediately was thinking about is um, I th being cool, calm, and collected, that's not always, I think, what we should be looking for no um, absolutely I, I definitely think living in a patriarchal society we tend to well i think we incorrectly think masculine people don't show emotion when masculinity the only acceptable emotion is angry and they show anger constantly right um, but no one thing i've always appreciated in leaders and mentors is people who do get a little bit vulnerable. Not too much. I definitely think you can uh, go too much in the direction where you're always moaning. <laughs> but um, uh, but I've also I also appreciate a leader who can get a little vulnerable. Say how they're feeling. Um, I recently I'm changing jobs. And so I recently had to resign, and my resignation was a little bit emotional. And I, I let emotion come into it, and I put my feelings. And um, and I think that's okay. I don't think... I think we sometimes in society think professional is the void of emotion. But in our professional life, those are real relationships with real people. And you don't necessarily need to get all mushy every time but I think it's so I like someone who shows some emotion and isn't rigid all the time I think and for me that's a little bit fighting back on patriarchy because patriarchy I think values too much this stoicism absolutely and I I, I want to point out that's that's exactly what this card 
is. The cool, the, 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 the calm, cool, and collected doesn't mean devoid of emotion. It means utilizing your emotions appropriately, not using your emotions in that way where you're taking anger out on other people, yeah. where you're where you're attacking or hurting other people. It's okay to get emotional and cry, to feel sensitive, to feel deeply. That's what this card is all about. And that's exactly what that passage was all about. The 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 cards you actually have to watch out for in terms of like those harsh, cold, unfeeling emotions can be more in the pentacles and the wands. Even though the wands are my favorite because they're all about creative, fiery passion. Those are the cards where emotions take over and they burn shit down. Where you <laughs> where instead of having a a real like sensitive and deeply held conversation like with the Queen of Cups, you're actually burning a bridge. You're tearing oh, shit down damn. and burning a bridge. So I, I totally appreciate what, what, what you were saying. I just wanted to clarify that that's actually exactly what this card is. This card is knowing how those emotions impact you and how to use them. Not, so not taking them away. how are you feeling about the card right now? Well, for me, my biggest thing is that my last two years of therapy have been all about drumming up like childhood trauma mm -hmm. and the ways in which my trauma responses come out in not being heard, not being understood, and having to put my shit on hold for other people's shit, which is my natural default setting. And how I'll do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, and then lose it. <laughs> lose my mind. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm still learning. I'm still navigating that because it's hard. It's hard to undo years and years and years of learned behavior. But learning how to also sometimes, yeah, sometimes you got to explode that anger out. But you did it. You got it done. Now we got to move on. We can't just sit and wallow in that. Like you were saying, we can't just moan the whole time. We got a actionable steps, right? Mm -hmm. um, but so for me, I always find this a very comforting card, a card that says, feel your feelings, feel all of your feelings, but don't let your feelings become the thing that holds you back or destroys your relationships. That's the way that I always interpret this card because I have had feelings come in the way of my relationships and burn bridges down. And um, uh, past experiences where, you know, like, kind of well what you were just saying like i have had played times in my life where i was not in an emotional place where i could like have a calm and collected but emotional ending to a, a job situation for example where i would just peace out or i would tell somebody i didn't like some some shit leave and not come back like and part of that was in response to a a lot of jobs are shitty and we might talk <laughs> about that a little later um but uh <laughs> but also like I could have handled that differently. I could have been like, no, I don't appreciate this. This is crap. But also I understand that you're doing a job that you have to do, but I can't do that anymore. And like standing up for yourself doesn't have to be tearing another person down necessarily. Um, some people have it coming. Uh, <laughs> some people have to be told but no i i appreciate what, what you were saying i'm glad because i i feel like you were you were right in line with what the card was saying but i was making sure you weren't misinterpreting what i had said because this card is very much all those things you just said Do yeah no i'm glad you pointed that out yeah it was that phrase cool calm and collected because i sometimes think um i I do think a lot of people think there's no place for emotion oh, in absolutely. the professional world. And definitely as a nurse, taking care of people at their most vulnerable, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. God, no. no you no, got to no, no, no. empathize with people and let people be angry and let people be sad, you know? And when your uh, patients are talking about death, like, don't sugarcoat that. Like, no, don't be absolutely. like, oh, you're going to be fine. No, 
they might be 90 and have cancer. Like they might they they probably will die. Also, um, I'm I'm wondering, can you can you tell me what cuz I feel like we have two very different interpretations of the words calm, cool and collected. Um, well, I'm interpreting no. that very I, I I think I'm interpreting that very no I'm I'm interested here. This is interesting as I think I'm interpreting it very differently than you are. I think something might be coming up over here that I'm not I'm not making the connection here. I'm curious. Um I guess that phrase to me implies reserved and stoic. Mm. Okay. So th- I I see what you're saying there. Um when I way, hear yeah. calm <laughs> like maybe you don't be calm but I also can understand that the phrase cool calm and collective could mean emotional just not out of control that's emotion. that's the way that I'm because because this is also talking about like leadership positions somebody who has either authority or perceived authority over another person and I think we've all had a manager who freaks out and it really is unnerving and you're it like, ruins the day <laughs> you're like it's just coffee exactly <laughs> <laughs> a little allusion to what we're going to talk about later. No, so I, I, I totally see, because you're right. Calm, cool, and collected, like cool especially, can feel like rigid, like like detached, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I see where, where, where we were coming from there. That was the part I, I wasn't making that connection. I think I was like, I'm con- I am confusion a little bit. And I'm that not probably sure. comes from where I'm from. I'm from Wisconsin in the Midwest, and I do think... There's a lot of stoicism. Oh, the word, yeah, stoicism, because also, like, you can be stoic and, and, and emotional, but you're right. There's, like, a cut-off feeling about that word. Stoic yeah. doesn't feel very warm and open <laughs> um, well, I, at all. I don't know. I think sometimes in the Midwest, well, I think, too, we, the ideal still, even though it's not our ideal, we hate it, is this straight white man, and I think he's... Uh, reserved, and he's not a big talker. A hundred percent. Well, yeah, because that, that's absolutely not who we are, and that was no. the thing, is that like, so, uh, Austin and I actually used to have jobs in common, and so we got to work together a little bit, and also we also just had commiserating, um, <laughs> commiserating experiences. Um, but uh, you and I used to work at a certain uh, coffee chain uh, where the individuals uh, behind the counter wear uh, green aprons. Uh, <laughs> and there were, here's the thing. There were a lot of really great things about that job when we first started. It paid yeah. better than anywhere else in town. We got to work in coffee, which felt super cool in big city in a lot of ways. Like, I'm working in the cafe. Um, and actually learn about coffee. Yeah. They actually do teach about coffee and coffee tasting. And um, even though it is the fast food of coffee... In a town like Eau Claire, Eau Claire has local cool coffee shops. But when we were in high school, I definitely wasn't exploring them. We had one, I think. Yeah, maybe, maybe two. <laughs> now there's a lot more. You're, I mean, yeah, they they crop up all over the place now because um, it's it's back in fun hip coffee shops. <laughs> but in this in this small Midwest town, it actually was the most authentic coffee you could get. <laughs> well, and we Even worked though- there. I was just going to say, even though in, like, uh, now, if you lived in Seattle, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, Well, (laughs) 
I'm sure they think this is the dirt of coffee. Well, <laughs> well and it is funny because, like, you, it, it is in a lot of ways the fast food of coffee. It has a very similar model to your McDonald's or your Chipotle. But I would actually argue that Dunkin' Donuts is the uh, fast food of coffee. Oh, I know. Okay. <laughs> I'm not but, a coffee but I... <laughs> snob. In fact, I drink all coffee. I just need to get caffeinated. I'll suck the caffeine out of a used <laughs> coffee filter. <laughs> But when I do hear people say my favorite coffee is Dunkin', I always am like, oh, honey. Why? <laughs> Can, why don't you? I want you to live your life like you love yourself. <laughs> that, that's a, I am that bitch who's like, that's a cup of cream. <laughs> <laughs> well, be, and I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of the thought of the stuff at our, our previous job, because like, here's the thing. Uh, I've also worked. I've worked at several chain coffee shops and a couple of like local coffee shops. They all have their benefits. They all have their they all have their problems. Like at, at the one that we worked at, we got a free pound of coffee every week. That was great. Um, to, it, it got to the point where I actually couldn't drink it fast enough because I was at work every day. So I drank my coffee at work. So I just started giving it as gifts. Like I, I, I was able to give coffee away as like a Christmas present. Cool. And that was so nice because you didn't make a lot of money. No. Um, <clears throat> yes, you make tips. And here's the thing, people. If you go to a coffee shop and you're ordering $15 worth of coffee that's all like made to order – you better be tipping at least a dollar on each of those drinks, you cheap little bitch. Um, doesn't matter oh, yeah. where you are. I don't care. <laughs> and we, I think we're going to talk about coffee, but we also want to talk about like service in general. Well, because you and I had a lot of jobs that, and for a while there, we were we were job hopping like it was no tomorrow. Oh um, my gosh. But, but that was also because a lot of these jobs are not great. Um. But, so I do want to acknowledge that I think the tipping system is terrible. It's stupid. It's terrible, and we should get rid of it. Watch the episode of Adam and Ruins Everything About Tipping. Uh- yeah, because <laughs> I think it just gives employers the right to pay you shit and puts that. So not when you like when you go to a restaurant, not only is the food expensive, but you have to tip. I get that, but if you've ever worked in service, you. The system's terrible, but it's the system we got. You and gotta tip. You're not changing the system by not tipping. You are not doing anything actionable. You are just fucking over the person who just works super hard for you with the promise of a tip at the end. Oh, so. <laughs> and this attitude of I'll tip based on the service you give me. That's bullshit. <laughs> well, and it's it's based. That's the entire American model. The entire United States model of tipping is based on like you better go back out there and make sure that you give them the time of their lives. And they're not gonna because it, it started in like the fucking thirties, right after the Great Depression. The way well, that tipping why currently that's bullshit is bullshit. Is some like because when I was a server, um, some servers tried to be very personable and put their little jazzy personality well, involved. That was me, but I'm also a theater. Oh, no, and that's fine. <laughs> that wasn't me. I mean, sometimes depending on the customer. But sure. I tried to be very plain, very polite, and just be like in and out because I think people appreciate that when they're mm-hmm. eating. And the thing, the reason why I don't believe in, I would have been no big. Like, you wouldn't have thought, oh, she was fabulous. No, <laughs> you would have thought they provided fine service, but it wasn't accept. But I think what I tried to do was I tried to be seamless, in and out, blue, blue, blue. And here, and yeah. so if you're tipping based on, because th- then what? You're going to give me less of a tip because I didn't make you laugh? No. 
<laughs> Don't do well, that. that's the thing. It's like now, now I'm your performing monkey. And some days also like I'm just I'm offering you really good service by being fast, efficient, getting in and out. Just like you said there. I had days like that, too, where I was like, I'm so busy that the fact that you got your drinks in a timely fashion. Be grateful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they don't realize the sucking up I had to do to that bartender to get you your drink. <laughs> Matthew, I don't know what else you want me to do. <laughs> do you want me, uh, do, do you want me to come behind the bar? I'll <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let me tell no. you. There was a cute bartender who was always stealing my goddamn pens. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so on three, and I think we can get away with saying with saying this one out loud. On three, worst job, worst serving job you ever had, worst serving job I ever had. One, two, three. Copper, Copper Canyon. Canyon. Oh my god, it was. <laughs> oh my god, it was in like a strip mall setting, kind of, but they acted like we were the fucking. Taj Mahal of restaurants. I cannot tell you how many times in my in my like now much older, almost a decade later adult life, because that was 2014. And we're almost it's it, we're getting up, we're getting through to 2023 now. And I'm still I will sometimes think about that job and I will maniacally laugh out loud to myself about how fucking bullshit everything at that place was (laughs) to get the job we had to memorize the menu we studied we did like freaking flashcards and we were up until like 3 a.m that one night just going back and forth with each other trying to and here's the thing we were relatively young at the time so we didn't realize that a lot of the wines that they had on the on the menu which were like quote-unquote fancy wines are just like the wine that's like like medium tier like 11 dollar bottle of wine if you go to like the fucking i don't know the the liquor store down the road. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, and that was the other thing. So I was newly sober at the time. Mm-hmm. Hadn't been sober very long. And I remember during training, they being so bitchy that I wouldn't taste the liquors. No, you and wouldn't I- taste the liquors. And then also, we were both... Well, I was I was fully vegetarian vegan at that time. You were sort of like dabbling in something in like trying some things mm-hmm. at the time. You were You weren't fully vegetarian, but you were like, I don't want to eat all this food. Right. And they wanted us to eat everything. And I was like, it's all steak. <laughs> I know. And that's the thing. Sometimes faux fancy restaurants are like, well, we're not really fancy as it's just a slab of beef. <laughs> and, oh, my goodness. And it wasn't even like that. And also, I saw the way that they cooked food in that kitchen. There was a microwave. Fuck off. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we're putting this place on blast. Um, oh, it was just... I they did they they would make waiters and servers cry. It was a really bad environment. Well, and also they would sometimes over they would overstaff. So you'd show up for work and then they'd find a flaw, like a little stain on your shirt or like the crease down the front of your apron wasn't like fully creased properly and they'd be like one of you's got to go home and it's going to be you because your uniform isn't as good as it's supposed to be. And I remember we weren't allowed to change there. We had to come in uniform, which meant that when, and we lived close enough that neither of us had a car. So we just walked. Um, so I would walk, walk I know down. My bike got stolen. That That's right. Summer. Your bike got stolen. Oh. And well, and also we couldn't, we could, we couldn't even really bike there because they wanted us to come in uniform. And I, I was like, okay, so I have to have a backpack on. My back's going to be all sweaty. And then I'm going to have to take it. And I can't bike with my apron on. So I'm going to have to hope that I fold my apron properly so it doesn't come out all wrinkled because I just spent time ironing my apron for a serving job that was paying us $233 an hour because that was yeah. server wage. 
again, the tipping system being so dumb, basically not a wage. You're basically working for free. (laughs) I just remember you and I were living together at the time. That was when you and I lived together in D.C. This is for the audience, not for you. Uh, (laughs) And I don't know. Do you remember? Uh, (laughs) But we have been watching a lot of... (laughs) a lot of like SNL clips on mm-hmm. YouTube and we had watched that one where um Maya Rudolph played Donatella Versace and it, I think it was Taryn Killam was like Donatella these chicken wings are amazing what's in them and what did she and do she just goes chicken <laughs> but she she did the thing that Maya Rudolph does where she pulls her chin back and like makes her neck super small and she went chicken <laughs> And you and I, we wouldn't even say anything to each other. We just walk past each other and I make eye contact and just pull our necks back and just go. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it uh. was all we could do to survive. It was such. Oh, and it very, uh, serving's very gendered. They, oh, my goodness. They oh. wanted us. Throughout my life, I'm always in, in, sometimes trying to grow long hair and then it's too high maintenance and I cut it off. But. Um, so we were, they made me conform to a male standard. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and yeah. Chop off my hair. And, and at the time, I was so desperate for a job. I was, and I, long hair is high maintenance, and I was running out of things to do to it. So I gladly did it at the time. But still, when you're a queer person, there's always a small part of you that's like, I'm conforming to a standard I don't want to. Absolutely. Well, and also, they, they wouldn't let, uh, they wouldn't let us have like, certain colors of hair. You, like, if if I were working there now, I wouldn't have been allowed to wear the makeup that I wear to work every day now. Like, they were very, very clear. They wanted you as, like, neutral of a palette as possible. And I remember that that, that one individual who trained both of us, and she was so intense so intense and we both would look at each other like there were times where we would come home and look at each other and just be like the fuck is this like, <laughs> you know are... acting like if you can make it here you can make it anywhere and i was and like, like <sighs> maryland <laughs> <laughs> i know because we, we we lived in maryland and i would i would take the train into dc for school so that was the other thing i needed a job that would work around my my, my school schedule i took night classes at a theater conservatory and I really loved it. It was super fun. And I got to do a, I like that year in DC, mama, I lived up my life in a way that I've just never been able to recreate that, that year. And it wasn't all great. I'm not going to sit and pretend like, ah, the memories, everything was perfect. But there are, (laughs) there are elements of my life out there that I was like, no, I'm like really doing this. I'm making my life work in a new place that I never thought I would ever live. Um, I worked on Capitol Hill for a very brief period of time in a in a weird call center calling for the OBGYN pact. That is strange. That is a strange <laughs> underbelly experience that honestly I couldn't do because the flickering overhead lighting made me feel like Michelle and Romeo and Michelle. I would like to go away. Away. <laughs> and that's what I did. I stayed late one day to make up hours because we could come and pray basically whenever we wanted as long as we made our, our hours for the week. And... I kept coming in later and later as that week went on the week I quit and I stayed, I was like, I'm going to stay till six and I'm going to go to class. 545 came around and I was like, I can't do this for one more minute. (laughs) I can't do it for one more minute. I can't do it. I can't do it. I made a phone call to a doctor who basically was like, you know what? I I sent you all money last year and and was just so mad at me personally. I was the one. Um, And I was like, I've been here for two weeks, sir. I don't know who you are. Um, some Bethesda, Maryland doctor making a million dollars a year, screaming at me, making $10 an hour. Uh, 
Just I've like... never been able to do. I worked at a call center once, and I remember during the first week of training, you're in a class, you're learning all yep. about it. They're like telling you how much money you can make. I remember being so excited. I was like, "Oh, this can be great." My my first night on the phone, it just automatically dials. Yep, <laughs> and then you're connected to someone, and. What we were doing is we were calling people who had discontinued service <laughs> for cable. And we were calling to be like, but did you know cable's fun? Did you want to <laughs> come back? We have worse things now. Oh, I remember I did it for about 45 minutes. And then I went on a break and I walked away. I left. And then they were so desperate for workers. They called me and said... Uh, they left me a voicemail. I just I just quit. I just walked out the door and never came back. But they were like, it's hard for a lot of people on the first day. You can come back. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Because was when you worked there, was it I-Pace Setters or was it still Charlton? It was called I-Pace Setters. Yeah. Well, I, I worked I, at both places yep. and didn't survive both times. Because, uh, yeah, because I, I worked there when it was still Charlton. And, yeah, it was like eight fifty an hour, which... In 2005 in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, minimum wage was still below $6 an hour um, when I first started there. So eight fifty was like, hell yeah. It and bonuses. It was good mm-hmm. money. Um, but it was miserable work. Miserable work. I lasted a little over a year. And I still and can't this, believe. And this <laughs> doesn't say all phone job Because I worked a phone job for a bank. And that was better. I enjoyed that. I forgot about that. Did you work at, at, at the Royal? I um, sure did. That I enjoyed because that was more customer service. And you were actually able to solve problems for people. That's what was missing for me at Charlton, too. I was good at talking on the phone. I can talk. I have no problems talking. Well, and I, I, I don't think I'm built for telemarketing because I don't care. Like, I don't think do anyone's built for, for te- I don't understand telemarketing. I look like a Klingon right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pushing my forehead skin together. Uh, but anyway. every, I think everyone, I think everyone should work in service, especially food service, because that's something we all interact with. And I see people treat food service workers so terribly. Oh, I yeah. I remember once when I worked at McDonald's, a man made me cry. And <laughs> I remember him saying, I'm not going to come back here. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'm 14. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though. I mean, good I Lord. I don't care about McDonald's customer base. And you're yelling at me because who knows why? I don't even Because remember. the McFlurry machine was down again, I bet. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, that, that I mean, even even when I worked at, uh, you know, when, when we both worked for the Siren. Um, <laughs> that's my code word. Because um, we both worked there for many years. I have probably, I think like five years-ish under my belt of working for the Siren. Um, under the Siren's eye. Um, and when I first started there, like, again, it was... It was super fun. It was fast-paced. I was good in the drive-thru. I was great on bar after a while. I started to get the hang of that. Um, But you're 17. You know, I was 17 when I started. And there were days where people would be so obnoxious, so rude, so awful. Yeah, you go and sit down during your 10-minute break that you get once every four hours. And sometimes you're just like, I I think I'm going to cry. 
I am so like I'm so overworked. I'm so over. I'm like done. My body is having it's like a response. So fast paced. I remember we employed some people in their forties and fifties. And they just couldn't keep up with the insane. And that's not to say all people in their 40s. That's not what I'm no, saying. No, but we would. The, I, I know some of the people. I know some of the people you're talking about. They couldn't. And honestly, I think that's fine. Do you really need to churn out two drinks a minute? Well, that that was the other thing. When, when they started to implement those drive time timers in the drive through and like. They, you had to sit down with your ship supervisor about the quota that you were meeting, like the number of drinks that were like all of that. I it started know. to get to a point where I was like, this, this isn't working in a cafe. This doesn't make this, this isn't the fun of working in a cafe. I like, know when I was in nursing ugh. school, I worked at a cafe with no drive through. And let me tell you, <sighs> I loved it. Oh, seriously. I know. Sunday mornings, you'd come in. And for the first two hours, you'd talk about the weekend and drink coffee. Well, and you worked at the coffee shop that is famous for being very cozy on the inside. Yeah, it's cozy. And we'd get slammed. Don't get me wrong. I worked on Thanksgiving and holy crap. But Well, it was right across no... the street from the mall. Yeah, <laughs> like... but when there's no drive through it all comes at you from one place. Like there's one line. Mm-hmm. Whereas those coffee shops where there's a drive-through and a lobby, you get a little multiple personality. <laughs> You're just like, I, there was a there's a race in town called the Turkey Trot, and afterwards everyone goes, "Let's go get a coffee." Oh yeah, let's go get a coffee. There's that <laughs> place with the antlers over there. Let's go there. <laughs> and I no, this was when I was working with the drive-through. Oh oh yeah yeah, yeah. okay. And okay, I okay. just remember that day being like. I'm going to go in the bathroom and cry real quick. <laughs> Can someone oh, cover yeah. me? <laughs> I mean, oh, Lord. Yeah, I just, I remember the day that I quit. I quit the first time from that, from that first cafe job, like fully, fully quit. Um, I, I had put in my two weeks and it was the night before my last shift. I, this was when we were a little younger and we were <laughs> irresponsible. And you I was were. like, oh, <laughs> yes, I should speak in I statements. Um, I was so responsible. And so responsible in our early 20s. <laughs> um, I decided to have a couple of adult beverages. And those couple of adult beverages turned into a lot of adult beverages. And then <laughs> I looked at my phone and realized, I'm not going to be able to get up for work in the morning. I'm supposed to open. I'm supposed to be there at 5 a.m. And by in the um, morning, you mean in two hours. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was it was like midnight. So it was a few hours away. But I was like, there's no way I've like even even in my like brain. Um, I was, you know, my 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 slurry drunken brain. I definitely knew I wasn't going to be able to function at work the next day. So I turned my phone off. And I went to bed and I woke up four hours into my five hour shift and there were so many text messages ah! and so many voicemails that gives me so much anxiety still and, thinking about it and i think back on that now and i'm like no i was definitely like my anxiety was so bad about going in for my last shift i was so done so ready to not do it anymore that i was just it like, was like a self-fulfilling prophecy exactly like you, you drank the night before knowing you weren't gonna i mean not knowing but kind of no deep down it was it was a subconscious thing and i think also a little bit surface level i was definitely making some decisions yeah. i could have chosen not to have any 
I could have fully made that decision. Very much did not make that decision. Made exactly the opposite decision, I might add. Um, so I, I, I do. I, I'm, I'm not saying that that I was perfect in that, but those jobs, they suck the life out of you. Mm-hmm. And they will get everything out of you. And also, the moment that you don't do exactly things the way that they want you to do it, they will happily cast you aside. They have no problems being like, well, someone else will fill that role. That is a very, very stupid way of doing things because um, we're it's, it's not a fully renewable resource. Eventually, you're not going to be able to f- – staffing shortages. Um, and that's because people aren't willing to put up with that crap anymore. Um, I, I think that's one reason we wanted to talk about this is because now during COVID, we are seeing job shortages or um, not job. There's lots of jobs. So what is it? Em- employee shortages in mm-hmm. every industry. And I think conservatives right now, their rhetoric is no one wants to work anymore. And I just there could be a little bit of people not wanting to work. But it's people not wanting to work these crappy jobs for crappy wages. And also just people not realizing, especially people who've never worked in food service, people not realizing how hard those jobs are. Well, because there's always this attitude of like, why should a burger flipper make that much money? I'm like, because have you ever done the burger flipping? You're in a hot, sweaty, greasy environment for up to eight to nine hours. It's miserable. You come home with salt in your underwear and you don't know why that's there. No. And it's (laughs) it's from the sweat running down your back. Um, And you come home like your your pores are clogged. You feel awful. Your back hurts. Your knees hurt. And I was 15 and a half when I worked at McDonald's. And my body was like, ow. Ow. Yeah, those are hard jobs. They're not mentally taxing, maybe like a quote unquote professional job would be. But they're. But those are. Yeah, and they're skilled jobs. They're skilled jobs. You have to know the skill to do it. Because otherwise, anybody could just walk back behind the counter and be able to do it right away, which no one can. And the skill of dealing with customers. Oh, that is a skill. We as the public, we're a nightmare. (laughs) Even when you think you're being super nice, sometimes, like, I I have to make odd requests sometimes. And I try to be as, like, like, flexible and nice. I know what it's like. I've worked those jobs for many years. And I can always tell the moments where I'm like... I'm being a little bit more than I should be right now. I'm, I'm pushing this a little farther than I have to because you can see it. There are the and also or or maybe I'm not being too much, but I'm pushing you to your very, very limit today. Right. You didn't and have much left to give me. <laughs> sometimes it depends on the job because we've worked for places where food substitutions were no problem. Like, right. It happened all the time. Everyone was used to it. But then we've worked at places where the system wasn't set up for substitutions. So, like, you would have to put it in the computer, like a burger, and then you'd have to, like, hand-write the substitution because the system didn't allow it. So I, I remember working a job like that, and that's why you rolled your eyes. Anybody was like, oh, I don't want any tomato and onion. That should be a reasonable request. But it based should be. On, <laughs> but based on their computer system, the server might be like, kill me <laughs> and i mean I, it's 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 just it is it's so tough and like you know if i went through and listed all of the service industry jobs and like retail jobs that i've had since i was 15 and a half years old we would be here for another like 45 minutes i've had so many jobs 
retail is its own special hell because, <laughs> because I know people who've worked retail for years. And the thing about retail is it's always paid crap. I always am like, how do they get away paying so low? Well, and what's bizarre is that I remember like watching movies in the 90s, right? Like like 80s and 90s movies, the ones that we kind of grew up with. Whenever they showed retail, it was like these glamorous looking people. And it looked like they were just living life the way that they wanted to. And they were making so much money. And then you get your first retail job and it's like, you're going to get paid $6 an hour um, to stand at a register or pretend to dust shelves, or occasionally put things out, or look at that person who you know is thinking about stealing something and being like, I don't actually care if you steal it, but I have to look like I care if you steal it. <laughs> okay, you done now? If you really, really want it, just wait till I look away. Because, uh, you know what I mean? Like, you're, I don't get paid enough to care that if Spencer's gifts loses $5. <laughs> like, I, I, I barely make that much in an hour after taxes. Like, I don't give a shit because um, I did. I worked at Spencer's. I worked at Yankee Candle. I worked at Express. Where else? Oh, uh, Earthbound. Where else did I work at the mall? Mama, do you remember? <laughs> you know, now that you say it, you were a real mall rat. <laughs> In a way that I never expected to be. But it was much easier to get a seasonal job at the mall if you just mm-hmm. wanted to supplement income. Um, and you remember my undergraduate life was impossible like trying to have a job that would work around the weird schedule as a performance slash education major working in the music field. Like you have rehearsal here, here and here. You have these classes here, here and here. And then you stay on campus until like 8 p.m. some nights. So it's like, well, I don't have morning availability. I don't have midday availability. I don't have nighttime availability. Oh, I know. I mean, your schedule is definitely <laughs> above average insane. But just for students in general, it's like, how do you expect them to work? It's impossible because you you've got class at weird times and then you're supposed to you're expected to be volunteering and being active in things. And yeah, being and that was part of the reason those jobs suck so much is because you're working with all students (laughs) because working at a coffee shop, I was a supervisor for a little bit. And that sucks because it's not much more pay, but then all of the stress of someone calling in sick and you have to make the shift run. <laughs> I know. No, it's um, it, it's and, and that was the other thing. Like I got asked several times at that cafe, um, like, have you considered like putting in for the like, especially as after I've been there for a little while, um, like, have you considered putting in for shift supervisor? And my immediate action was no, of course not. Because I don't need to make an extra dollar an hour to be more miserable. It was it wasn't that much more pay, but there was so much. They treated you like a mini manager. Oh yeah. The only thing you didn't, I mean, you did a lot of management duties and, yeah. Well, and for the longest time, when I first started there, you did your own register at the end of the shift. Well, that was pre- too many incorrect things and also theft and blah, blah, blah. They got really uncomfortable with that. So shift supervisors had to become had to become responsible for that. And you couldn't leave until the shift supervisor was able to balance your till if you were on register. You weren't able to walk out the door <clears throat> for a while there until your till matched the, the final report. Because you had to put all that. It was just like... No, my shift is over and I know we're busy, but I need to leave. I got to go. And there were a couple of times where my supervisor would be like, like, 
if there's a problem, I'll call you. Go. Like, I don't, I don't have time to deal with it. And I'm like, good, because I don't have time to wait. Like, my class is starting in 20 minutes. I already have to go in drenched in mocha and chai. Like, I'm not super happy about that. Um, you walk in, everyone's like, oh, coffee. And then they sit next to you for a little longer. They're like, oh, and gross milk. Like, because after a while, your clothes didn't just smell like coffee no more. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I just, <clears throat> those jobs, like, and it, it's like you were saying identity at those jobs they want you to feel like a cog in the machine they say they want you to feel like a family member or whatever the fuck bullshit that 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 they're saying but what they really want you to do is blend in they want you to blend into the to to the works and for queer people i know that there were times where it was like i'm gonna push this as far as i can how crazy can i dye my hair before they're like i don't know about that color or you know what i mean like I remember you either had to have a full beard or shave all your facial hair off for a while. And I'm like, what? What? who cares? Who gives a flying fuck? Like beard hair doesn't fall out like regular hair does, <laughs> first of all. And second of all, I don't know. It was it was just one of those things where it was like. <sighs> it, it just it, it, it felt I, and I think you're right. I think as queer people, we're more sensitive to it. Because society in general acts like we're too much. We're making, we're, we're, thro- we're throwing our lives in other people's faces and that we need to calm down. But by calm down, they mean go away. Straighten up. Yeah. Or, or straighten up. Yeah. Go, 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 go away or straighten up. One so or I the other. I think when companies do that to, inf- and like one big thing was tattoos. You couldn't have visible tattoos. And that's changed now yep. because everyone has tattoos. I've worked in nursing homes, and old people have tattoos. Like, oh, and there's always this comment of, well, think how your tattoos... Sorry, that was a tangent. But I always... When people ask, say, think of how your tattoo will look in 60 years, you don't have to think. There are people in their 90s with tattoos, and you know what? They look fine. They look they look bomb. It's really yeah. cool. It's like a cool story about the time they got that tattoo. I don't know. It's just... like, And a lot of the restaurants, like the one that, that we both worked at together, were like that too. Like, there was no piercings. No no anything that wasn't exactly uniform. Yeah. Um, like, I shudder to think how they would feel about the fact that I now no longer, like, keep my eyebrows. Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, but it's just... When you're queer working in the service industry, your personality is sort of your calling card in, in the service industry a lot of the time, even if your personality is neutral. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I remember getting told on the drive through to tone it down because I was being a little bit too much. I'm like, I am four shots of espresso in. I'm <laughs> drinking a cold press. And I've been awake since 3.30 this morning. It's now 10 a.m. I am jazzed as fuck. You're and not going to get me to calm down. <laughs> And we both have voices where we're constantly being called ma'am. And we don't mind being called ma'am, but it's the, um, it's when you're called ma'am and then they get to the window and see you and they have this look of, what? <laughs> or they're immediately so apologetic it's uncomfortable. It's like, actually, the fact that you apologized make it, makes it weird. Like Yeah, like, I don't care. I don't yeah, care. Like, it, I, I like the fact that I have, yeah, I like the fact that I have... An androgynous voice. voice. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't care. I used to care. I used to care a lot more. Um, but now, like, it's part of the thing that makes my voice interesting. It makes me stand out in a in a in a field where everybody's voice is starting to sound exactly the same again. Mm-hmm. Like in music, that's a totally different tangent. But like <clears throat> I would also sometimes answer <laughs> answer the drive-thru in a weird accent if I was bored. Like, <clears throat> hello, thank you for stopping. It's 
this is Kyle. How can I help you today? Yeah, we did <laughs> you know a I mean? lot Just... <laughs> of that. <laughs> or the one time my, my coworker paid me $5 from her tips. My shift supervisor, I might add. She was a shift supervisor. To do the thing from um, Dude, Where's My Car? <clears throat> where uh, they ordered a bunch of stuff and then I went, and then... <laughs> <laughs> She gave me $5 for doing that. Well, the first time they went, what? And I went, and then I went, I did it a second time. And they, they understood the reference. They came to the window, the window. They were like, that was funny. I was like, that could have gone either way. It could have been some old, like nasty, like bitter bitchy person who wanted to get mad at me for trying to have fun in the drive-thru. Cause people get weird, right? People they get do. weird. I, as a customer now who has a lot of depression, <laughs> it's when the worker pushes it too far in that situation absolutely do it don't care um but sometimes people like wait for you to have a positive reaction and i'm like move this along uh, <laughs> read the room <laughs> but um no i rem i remember there were a lot of nights i tried to do like a harvey firestein i'd be like hello welcome Welcome to a coffee shop. Can I take your order? And then I remember <laughs> that was so fun. No, it, it's just those those were the ways that we, frankly, kept ourselves away from the noose. Because uh, <laughs> there there were times working there where your sleep schedule was so fucked up because sometimes you'd clope in, which was barely legal. <laughs> barely yeah. legal. By like maybe 45 minutes, barely legal. Um, and clopening sucked. Um, and there was that one summer where I was working at that, um, that arcade. So I would close sometimes at the arcade, work until like midnight and then get home at like 1230, try to force myself into bed as soon as I got home, wake up at four o'clock the next morning. If I woke up with my alarm, which half the time I didn't, I was running late and try to do it all over again the next day because we were poor and like desperate. I know. And a lot of people have to do. I remember working with a guy who would close at the coffee shop and the next day would open the bagel place next door. Yeah. And I oh. was just, and he had to do that because he was an immigrant and whatever qualifications he had uh, back home didn't transfer to the United States. And so he had to work two jobs to make it for his family. And I just remember thinking like, that is so hard on your body. I know. Well, and, and so many ugh. people have to work that life. Well, and frankly, half of the half of the half of those qualifications were uh, skin color and accent. Um, because <laughs> let's just let's just call a spade a spade in this country. That's ugh. why now with worker shortages, I'm happy, and I think I think everyone should, excuse me, be happy to see wages going up and see companies actually trying to attract workers because for so long companies had all the power and they still do but they had but they had all the power and there were no incentives they kept thinking how can we cut costs by making your job worse exact oh and 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 that and was it lean staffing where you barely have enough people on to make the shift run smoothly barely um, i know and oh. it's yeah it's like deuce mm. Because you see the CEOs and you see how much they're making and you're like, the money's there. That's the biggest myth companies throw at you. Oh, I know. I know. Well, and even store managers. I thought store managers made a lot more money than they did. Um, for the amount of bullshit that a store manager at some of these coffee shops have to have to have, you know what I mean, have to deal with. 
like forty five to fifty thousand dollars a year. And yeah, you only have, maybe maybe you only have an associate's like I have a master's degree and that's what I'm making right now, but like But me, you're working sixty hour weeks. Yes, and if anything goes wrong, you get to come in. Like Oh, I know. <clears throat> I remember yeah. So I think I think that's why we wanted to talk about this is just uh because well for one, so many people are still working this lifestyle. Yes. Like <laughs> I am so grateful even as much as nursing is very stressful and very demanding, um, I at least uh, am compensated for that stress, I feel like. That's a big part of it. Because honestly, I was thinking a couple of months ago, I was having, you know, those those nostalgic tugs get you occasionally. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking back when I worked at the D-Bros. Um, and <laughs> I loved my coworkers there. I had a great team of people that I worked with. It was super duper fun. Um, and I'm actually going to, going to get together for, for breakfast with one of them here coming up soon. Cause like, I still see them sometimes and our owner slash like manager made it so miserable to work there. It could have been this cool hip spot. That was the one that also had the little bar attached to oh, it. Yeah. So it, so like it, it could have been this really cool, awesome, but we also roasted our beans there. Like it was a fun, interesting, cool place to work. But we made $9 an hour in one of the most expensive cities in the upper Midwest outside of Chicago. Um, <laughs> and Yeah, who can just, live on that? Who can live on that? And I made better tips. I made way better tips there than I did under the siren's eye. But I, uh, which by the way, I think I just found the title of this episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, it just, it, all of the things that could have made it so much more bearable to work there weren't present. And they could have been. They should have been. There was no reason we couldn't have all gotten a little bump in pay. But it's also these companies, because, you know, that's a franchise. These companies also make it difficult for owners to give my owner the teensiest bit of credit. They make it super difficult to to be a franchise owner. Look at Subway. Subway's fucking it up for everybody. (laughs) And we don't have time to get into all that. Neither of us ever worked. Wait, you did work at a Subway. I would say I worked there. You you worked at a Subway. Yeah, it sucked. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I just, I, I think back on that time and like, I, if I had to go back, I could find a way to make it work. But I'm 33 years old now, and I have a lot of experience in that industry. And I would come in basically ready to be like, "No, no, we're not, we're not doing it that way. Like, you're not, you're not going to talk to me that way." Right. And going into service nowadays, there's certain dignity things, like a 20 year old telling you how to mop. Like, oh, God, I'm not going to do that. Nope. <laughs> Especially if it's if it's in in a way where it's like. Oh, like you guys have a specific way of doing things here. That's fine. Show me, show me how you do it here. I don't really give a shit, but like, so that this conversation never has to happen again. Um, <laughs> but like, when it's when it, when it's more of like a thirty-three years old, you don't even know how to mop. It's like fuck off, twenty-year-old yeah. on a fucking power trip. No, I just mop differently than you because I don't mop the stupid way. <laughs> no, it, I, I there there were definitely moments when I when I started working service again after I came back from DC. Um, cause I had started teaching in DC. I loved that. I finally had my first real teaching job and it was starting to become like lucrative, the teensiest bit. And then of course everything fell apart and I had to come back. Um, but like I've had some great service jobs where I have made a lot of really good money and a lot of like really cool friends that I still see every now and then. And like at, 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 at the, at the crab shack, uh, that job was crazy and wild, but I was walking out on some of those shifts 
making 233 an hour, I was still at the end of the week making more than my then partner, my now ex, was bringing home in like two weeks. I was making oh, in like five shifts. That's the thing about being a server. Depending on where you're working, sometimes you're making like 80,000 to 100,000. Like as a server, you can make good money. If I'd have kept that job for the whole year, I started in February and I had to stop in June, July ish when we moved because it was just, there was no way I was going to be able to make it back to that side of the red line yeah. easily. It was going to be too much. Um, especially to get back to the other side to go to class. It was just too much. Too much. Um, but I, if, if I'd have worked there for the entire year, I would have made at least fifty to $60,000 that year. Which is wild to think about because I still haven't broken that working a professional job, you know, uh, as, as somebody with a master's degree. And I'm not saying, like, that job should and this job should. It's just we as as human beings who live under this nightmare of capitalism, the only power that we have is our voice and our unwillingness to put up with unmitigated bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes we don't even have that power because sometimes we get put in these very desperate situations where we don't have a choice. Right. I, it, it's a point of privilege to be able to speak up for yourself in a lot of jobs because ultimately you need money. Absolutely. And that's why, honestly, if, if I did have to go back into the service industry, I wouldn't have as much of a problem because honestly, like I'm coming from a place of a little bit more experience of more privilege just in being a little bit older um, and a little bit more like concrete in my identity and who I am. Like, no, you're not going to sit and tell me who I am or who I'm not or what I, what I am or what I can, cannot do. Like we're, we're here to do a job and I'm going to do that job for you. And then you can kindly fuck off now, frankly, like, you know what I right. mean? Like, but I'm not doing everybody, my job. depending on your background and where you're at, this might be the only job you're able to get. No, and absolutely. So and like, you I might would have to compromise yourself no, completely. Abso absolutely. But that's why like going in, having one person there who's able to do that, like, especially if you're willing to be like, I'm not speaking for anybody else, but none of them should have to put up with that either. Like if you're right, willing no. to, to, to bring everybody else into it, like sometimes being the vocal one, is a is is a, is a power put position of being able to be like i'm not putting up with it and neither should they <laughs> like right um well anyway i think we are approaching our hour uh, you know so what you you in that timer i swear <laughs> to christ <laughs> uh i just think we should come to a nice close but thank you for coming on this journey with us i think uh it, it's not it's I, I always think it's good to remember all of the jobs you've had in the past to, to let you appreciate where you're at now, assuming you're in a better job. And also <laughs> and also to just remind yourself that, like, there were things about those jobs that were great and beautiful and wonderful and experiences mm -hmm. that you could never have replicated anywhere else. And also, if that's the job that you have now, like, there are... We, we hear you, we see you, we know that, that they're not always the most glamorous or the... But there's absolutely like beauty and power in having a job that you feel confident and comfortable with and if you don't feel comfortable com comfortable and confident with that job just know that there are a lot of other people out there that not only are still going through what you're going through have gone through what you're going through and also are going to come in and try to make it better for you that yeah. not everybody not everybody's a jerk not everybody's an asshole a lot of them are but <laughs> some of us are nice and we really do want to want to make it clear that like there's beauty, beauty and dignity in doing any kind of work that you feel like good. And honestly, if you're just doing it to get by, good for you. Keep on <laughs> keep on a trucking. Um, and so with that, I think 
it's time for cheers. What do you say? Oh, slancha. Slancha. <laughs> That's going to be so loud this time. <laughs> I really Oh, I never drink when I do it. Ooh. It's not a cheers if you don't drink. I know. <laughs> son of a bitch. Oh, son of a bitch. Oh, my God. Oh, that's